is this thing even on? <laughs> nah, but in all seriousness, I'd like to thank each and every one of you, however money there might be here today, taking the time out of your day to finally listen to my dream come to reality, for me to finally be able to introduce my first episode zero of my dream podcast, Shoot Your Shot, hosted by yours truly, Fouad, aka Floyd Kadora. So this is episode zero, where I'm basically going to have a little pitch or trailer of the podcast that I plan on doing going forward. And I plan on discussing a lot of the content that I'm going to be talking about moving forward. Uh, I'm going to touch on a little bit of the guest speakers I'm expecting to have come on. And a little bit of how I see the kind of tangents moving on as I grow with this podcast. So I'm really excited to finally be embarking on this initiative as I've been seeking it out for quite a while now. I've always wanted to start my own show, whether it was on YouTube or Apple Podcasts, Spotify and so on. But I really wanted to kind of get my voice out there and speak my truth, so to speak, because I've always felt the need to express myself and I couldn't be happier that I'm finally getting an opportunity or giving myself the opportunity rather to do that sooner than later. So when it comes to sports, I've basically always wanted to talk sports ever since I kind of started falling in love with the NBA, which was around the 2014 to 2015 mark. I was about 16, 17 years old at the time. The Raptors were making their first ever playoff push with Kyle Lowry and DeRozan being at the backbone of their team. And I say first ever playoff push because it was the very first real opportunity they got to try to actually secure a contender spot to try to get to the title. But of course, we all know how that ended out, if you're here at least, with Lebronto, Toronto being dubbed the city of LeBron, hence Lebronto. So going back to why I wanted to start this, stemming back from my love for the NBA in 2015, I didn't do it back then because I was sort of afraid of other people's judgment and how they would kind of react to me kind of going on on a limb and starting my own thing, even though it's always been my dream to be a content creator. And today, February 21st of 2022, is the day that this dream is actually becoming a reality and going on to becoming what I actually want it to be and speaking itself into fruition. And I couldn't be more happy that I'm finally doing that. And I'm really excited to take you guys all with me on this journey. Because what's a content creator without his or her audience? And I feel like that you guys are my top priority. Other than the stuff I'm discussing, obviously. Going forward, because it's really all about the people, in my opinion. And I will never stop believing that going forward. So going back to how I was afraid to start this whole thing, I basically sat myself down and I'm like, how cool would it be to have your first ever introduction 
to the whole content creation industry and to the internet, basically, on the 22nd day of the second month of 2022. What a date that would be. So I kind of forced myself to get my thoughts and stuff in order to make that a reality. And here I am recording my very first episode zero, the trailer of my future podcast, or actual podcast now. Going forward, so I see this as a huge sign of advancement and growth moving forward, and this is actually part of why I wanted to start this whole initiative, to kind of motivate my listeners to do a bit of the same thing, and I'll get and touch on that as I move forward. But moving back on to the whole story of why I wanted to start this, So basically, I sat myself down and I'm like, if not now, then never. The date was kind of like the cherry on the whole thing, you know. It was a very important cause to me to kind of like kickstart this for myself, for something that I believe in with a little twist of my own little thing on top of the entire NBA analysis I plan on getting into. Because basically, I was dealing with a tough time in my life around 2017, 18, and 19. And podcasts were kind of my go-to when it came to me feeling kind of lonely and not really having anyone to talk to. It would be nice to kind of like play my favorite podcast, no matter what it was on, and then hear the host kind of talking to me. I felt like I was important and someone actually cared enough to speak to me. Not that I didn't have anyone to reach out for, but it was just kind of like someone speaking my own language without me having to respond. So I felt like I was important in that regard of someone actually looking into this whole umbrella of events and uh, stuff going on that I was interested in. And that kind of made me feel less lonely and kind of push that huge drive and motivation within me it kind of planted that seed for me wanting to pursue the same thing for myself to help others moving forward who are kind of stuck in that same little pickle I was back in the day so basically my goal with this podcast is to do my best to provide others with that same opportunity I had when I felt down low and to give them something to enjoy listening to. With my little niche kind of mix of noticing your values as a person, to realize that you're not alone, and kind of offer you guys that blueprint or start, per se, to kind of foster that motivation within you to start cashing in on your future potential and capture the opportunities ahead of you which you fail to see because of that state of mind you're in so I kind of want to talk about what makes me happy which is the NBA analyze it moving forward and kind of attach that little kind of way to influence self-growth and eventual success for my listeners moving forward so One might say that those two things aren't really related per se, but hear me out. So I believe that this is actually the case for a lot of NBA players 
in terms of kind of coming out of the gutter, not having a lot of friends who didn't want them in harm's way growing up. So a lot of really successful athletes nowadays in the NBA came from really tough beginnings where their parents had to kind of work two plus jobs just to provide them with the minimums and basics to survive and to stay alive. But they fostered their will, their drive, their perseverance into motivation and unlocked themselves opportunities which they fought really hard and killed themselves, for lack of a better phrase, to achieve. They were in there putting in work all day, every day, to kind of garner that opportunity to become the best of the best at what they do. And to actually do what they love to do, which is play ball and hoop at the end of the day, making themselves even all-stars and some greats and all-NBA teams and some even in the Hall of Fame going forward. So it's just a really inspiring story for me to watch the sport that I love and understand more about the history of what went into fostering and making these great players and how they come from a background such as myself with a single mom growing up and kind of having to do whatever it takes to unlock your opportunities because of the America or today's America that we live in, which kind of has a lot of in-between-the-line things that you have to look forward to crushing better than everyone else to stand out, if that makes sense. I don't really want to get into the whole political aspect of it because that's for my poli-sized friends and peers back in university to pursue and everyone in that field. But I just really appreciate where these players are coming from when it comes to a humane level of respect that they look at with each other and the goals they had to kind of kill themselves to achieve. So, on a lighter note, this is why I want to kind of start this whole initiative and uh, to offer people that kind of support that I found myself finding in this podcast world and kind of attach my own little keys to success personal growth, productivity, maximization, and henceforth moving forward at the end of every podcast. So if you kind of make it to the end, that's your little like trick or whatever you can have to carry on for you, for yourself going forward and to kind of improve yourselves every day and to take on that challenge of unlocking your maximum potential. Because I feel like the NBA's most successful players are predicated based on that hard work and will to succeed. So, as I previously said, on a lighter note, I'd like to discuss a little bit more of what your daily content will be centered around in regards to the NBA bit. So, in sum, I'd like to talk about mostly NBA content Um, A lot of interesting stuff that goes down analysis-wise in the NBA to discuss a lot of that with you guys. Touching on the social media mishaps along the way, trending stories such as Kevin Durant's renowned Twitter beef, and 
attach that little motivational, personal growth little bit at the end as well. So that's kind of my vision for Shoot Your Shot going forward. And I'd love nothing more than to hear your guys' feedback at the end of this trailer, episode zero, to kind of like see if I'm heading in the right direction in terms of what you guys were looking forward to listen to. And I'd love any feedback to kind of change that or fine tune it rather going forward because this is what I'd like to talk about. So with that out of the way, (laughs) let me dive into some of the content that we'll be covering in today's introduction episode. So I'd like to talk about the recent Raptors triple overtime thriller. And then I'd like to touch on the Nets' recent losing streak and how they finally broke out of it thanks to Cam Thomas and Seth Curry. And then what podcast would this be in terms of the NBA if I didn't touch on the blockbuster Simmons-Harden trade that went down recently, which everyone anticipated it kind of happening in the summer rather than before the trade deadline. And then finally, I want to finish off with a little bit of the Los Angeles Lakers struggles because who doesn't like some good old Russell Westbrook banter and shit talk, for lack of a better phrase. He's been getting he's been getting hammered, but honestly, I don't think it's all his fault. And we'll just kind of brush off with All-Star Weekend and how the NBA 75th anniversary team was introduced during the halftime show, and how the crowd kind of lost its you-know-what when Jordan came out. So that's kind of the rough framework of today's episode. So let's start out with the Raptors' triple overtime thriller. Let's just preface this by saying that before the game, Gary Trent Jr. has been on a roll Basically scoring more than 30 points per game on 45% shooting from the field for five straight games. He's basically a steal when it came into the Norman Powell trade that we did with Portland earlier, giving them that kind of accomplished perimeter player to get that huge potential in return with Gary Trent going forward. I've always loved him on the Blazers, and now that he's on my Raptors, Love that for him going forward and for our team. And do we even have to mention Fred Van Vliet getting his very first all-star nod and him scoring basically over 20 points per game for all of February on more than 45% from the field as well? Like Van Vliet's lock has officially been released into the wild. He's going crazy and everyone's getting to know it. And Kyle Lowry, my favorite groat, is actually publishing it on social for everyone, for him to see his young prodigy growing up, which I love. But yeah, so basically that game boiled out to the Raptors being the better, more well-rounded team. Because honestly, I feel like we were playing a team which kind of focused a lot more on its, you know, kind of like star power, but not really at the same time. Because let's face it, Jimmy dropped 37 and no one else broke 20 points. 
While that's not the case with a lot of their games going forward, because Bam is definitely playing at an all-star level, and then you have a team full of dogs in the Miami Heat, and then everyone knows their roles. I honestly love that Kyle Lowry went to Miami because he is literally put in one of the best situations to succeed going forward. I'm just sad that he wasn't there because he had to sit out this game for personal reasons. I would have loved to see him come at my Raptors or f- at his Raptors because he would have definitely brought his A game. But at least we got to see DeRozan versus the Raptors, am I right? But yeah, so Miami's a very kind of defensive-minded dog mentality team where they kind of hustle after every position. So us beating them was a huge win for us, especially because we basically had all our starters score 20-plus. Granted, we only had three people come across the bench in Boucher, Achua, and Delano Banton, but everyone in the starting lineup scored 20-plus, if you don't count Fred's 19. Offset that with his eight assists, and then we're kind of like, you know? So I feel like we're a very well-balanced team, and I'm not going to lie, I didn't really watch a lot of my favorite team's games in the start of the season because I wanted to look at the other teams coming up, which were like the Nets before they got broken up. I wanted to see how Russ would fit on the Lakers. So I was directing a little bit more of my attention towards teams like that. But ever since after Christmas break, the Raptors have been on a roll, just winning games kind of playing themselves back into the playoffs from when they were kind of not even in the play-in. They just went on a rampage winning that many games, securing themselves back into the playoffs. And that partly has to do with Siakam getting himself back into all-star caliber shape. According to an article by Aaron Rose of Sports Illustrated, The Raptors were actually trying really hard to get Siakam in the All-Star game when Harden didn't want to play because of obvious reasons that took place in the All-Star draft with uh, the TNT crew. And uh, I quote Barkley's, uh, he got traded. He's healthy now. But uh, (laughs) yeah, Jared Allen unfortunately kind of uh, took that little scoop when it came into the All-Star game because of that home court advantage. And honestly, deservedly so because he's been playing really well. And him and Garland definitely made the best out of that Cavs post-LeBron rebuilding situation. So I'm really happy that they got their recognition and now they have more confidence playing and moving forward, which is really good for the Cavs, especially after the whole LeBron fallout. But yeah, so the Raptors weren't... And I kind of feel like uh, uh, Brown of the Celtics would have gotten the all-star nod ahead of Siakam, but it is what it is at the end of the day. Freddie got it. Freddie all-star, right? But uh, yeah, due to his valiant play, he actually got the all-star nod, which was really happy, made me really happy. And uh, we're kind of going to ignore his uh, three-point contest 
you know, um, performance because, uh, yeah, we're just going to move past that because, you know, uh, I'm really happy for Kat. He had a really, really rough year. Like, people are just like, oh, he had a rough year, but they don't realize how rough it was. So I'm really happy that he kind of got to prove to everyone that he's actually one of the best, if not the best, shooting big men. So he really needed that trophy to kind of cement that status. I'm really happy for him. So yeah, moving on from Freddie's uh, three-point performance at the All-Star break, um, really, really, really happy that people aren't really blaming Masai for picking Scotty Barnes over Suggs. Seeing how that kind of turned out now that we're at the halfway point of the 2021-2022 NBA season, Barnes is constantly in the running for Rookie of the Year along with Mobley and Cunningham and kind of Giddy. If you want to look at it, Giddy was a really nice pickup for the Thunder. They really are going through a whole lot rebuilding over there. But yeah, Scotty's definitely in the top three when it comes to Rookie of the Year favorites. And he's definitely what we need to fit in our future kind of like rebuilding but not really kind of vibe going forward because we're kind of gravitating towards that basketball style where we're kind of playing a point guard in Kyle Lowry, sad face, or Fred Van Vliet now with him being surrounded by like a bunch of 6'7", 6'8", wings and Scotty Barnes will be the pinnacle of that kind of Ben Simmons-ish player but with a better jump shot because he's already attempting to shoot. So I definitely trust Masai going forward, knowing that we picked a lot, a, a way better rookie than what we needed, especially for our future basketball style moving forward, which I believe is a really good one for like the way the NBA is headed, to have one point guard to kind of handle the ball and play make, surrounded by four versatile wings who can do everything from defend to shoot the three, put it on the floor and dunk. Very, very good outlook going forward. So very, very nice time to be a Raptors fan. It's not 2019, but things are looking up for sure. We kind of skipped the whole rebuilding phase and went into a whole new rebuild without really going through a rebuilding phase or a very like kind of rapid phase because of our season out in Florida last year because of COVID. So very excited on the Raptors' future and we'll be very happy to discuss them on future episodes of Shoot Your Shot going forward. With the Groat being traded to Miami, it was really hard for me to root for the Raptors, being that Kyle Lowry is my favorite player of all time. Now I'm kind of a Heat fan because I like Jimmy Butler as well as Kyle Lowry, but the Raptors will always be in my blood because they're the reason I fell in love with basketball in the first place. So, moving forward, I'd like to discuss a little bit of the Nets and how they were on a massive losing streak as soon as Kevin Durant, my favorite, personal favorite, all-NBA kind of player, like celebrity player. So, if you were to ask me what my favorite, like, celebrity NBA player, definitely KD. But my favorite player, period, I'm kind of more low-key 
when it comes to Kyle Lowry because not a lot of people know him. But yeah, so being that KD is my personal favorite hooper of all time when it comes to like all NBA caliber players, um, I was naturally an Nets fan as soon as he left the Warriors. Not going to get into the whole him joining and leaving conversation because then instead of an intro trailer podcast, this is going to end up being four episodes in one. So I'm pretty sure we can get someone on in the future and kind of dive into that whole thing if you guys are interested in hearing that. But yeah, does KD really need an introduction? He's a ruthless Hall of Fame tier scorer with a cold-blooded mentality to get to the rim or his patented mid-range J at every case with nobody really able to stop him. So what can you hate about that? Other than his uh, multifaceted uh, Twitter outlook. <laughs> but yeah, so it's kind of weird for the Nets because you could tell that Harden came into season out of shape, not really like kind of not really what he signed up for in terms of the entire, oh, like Kyrie's not really playing and then he's a part-time player halfway through the season and now KD's out, so he's kind of running with a slightly iffier version of what he had in Houston. So he's like, I'm not really about to sit here and run with a bunch of role players. Embiid's playing the best basketball of his life. Daryl Morey's in Philly. I'm going to get out of here and head there. So in my honest opinion, it was going to happen regardless in the summer. So better that it happened before then because at least the Nets got a lot better and, in my humble opinion, won the trade when it comes to this. Hear me out. You might disagree. But I think the Brooklyn Nets won the trade because they got a lot more of what they needed, especially long-term. Ben Simmons is on contract for the next few years going forward. They had a lot of a thin-ish front line, and now that baby is tick with the best rebounder in the league in Andre Drummond. They needed a little bit of more shooting, especially for this season, because your boy Harris is out for the entire season. Here we go. We got a Curry. So, you know, I feel like Philly gave up too much, especially when you mentioned the two first-round picks going forward. So I feel like Philly's window of contention kind of opened up now because they have Harden, even though we don't know what version of Harden they really have. You know, Charles Barkley's quotation. <laughs> so honestly, I think Philly's window is now and max two or three years that's pushing it down the road. Whereas Brooklyn's window is definitely the next three to four, maybe even five years, given Kevin Durant's extension and the amount of assets they acquired after this trade, thicking out that back line. They have a shot blocker now, they have a shooter, and then they have Ben Simmons, which is basically the perfect fit in Brooklyn because he's surrounded by cold-blooded scoring. He doesn't need a J. All he needs to do is drive the ball, dribble it in transition, and dish out one of his patented Benton passes to anybody for them to score it. 
and then stick at the rebounding spot for him to get the rebound and pass it again for another shot if they miss. So he's kind of the perfect fit in my opinion. And being that this is KD's team, it kind of worked out for the best because now KD has everyone that's all in rather than someone with half of their body out of this conversation, to say the least. And then Harden kind of throws shade as his at his previous Brooklyn teammates when he was, like, in the press conference saying, oh, Philly was my first choice. Like, come on, man. Are you serious? You went to a way better team at the time, and now you're throwing shade at them for no reason. So, honestly, I think the Nets won. Philly gave up too much. They have a smaller window to compete and contend for the title, whereas the Nets got way better long-term. And we'll see, as a to Barkley's comments, if they end up being true. You remember, he's traded. He's healthy now. So yeah, um, let's touch a little bit on the Lakers' struggles moving forward because we are at the halfway point in the season. We've been exposed to a lot, and uh, a lot of analysis was going down in the beginning of the season to kind of assess whether Russell Westbrook was going to be a good fit because he's a ball-dominant guard, he needs the ball to score. If you kind of rewind to his time back in Houston when he was changing teams all the time, or started to at least, Harden kind of wanted him to leave because he wasn't running the team the way Harden wanted it to be run. And the front office had to do a lot of address, they had to address a lot of changes to basically incorporate Russ into the team. That all started by trading Capella, so he had a lane to drive because he was so, like, he was such a non-shooting threat that people literally left him open. You can find memes of him online of being open for days instead of him, like, shooting so he would have to drive. And with Capella there, that kind of clogged the lanes. So they literally had to trade Capella and then stagger him and Harden's minutes because Russ thrives when he can run the whole team. That's why he left. He told management that he wanted an opportunity to run his own team again, just like he did in OKC. So they kind of gave him the Wizards with Bradley Beal like giving less of a you-know-what. So he didn't really care what ended up happening as long as they ended up winning. Whereas Harden have, has like his patented style of play where he wants to kind of like dribble 17 to 21 times before doing anything, right? So like that kind of like decreases the pace of the game a lot, whereas Russ kind of amplifies that. So playing them together doesn't really make sense. So they had to stagger their minutes for them to be effective, which kind of led to a nice run at the end of the season, which resulted in nothing, which is Russell Westbrook's patented postseason performances he gets out nearly in the first round every year so yeah the Lakers what were you thinking so that's as to his argument of him getting better you kind of have to do a lot of moves which the Lakers didn't at the end of the trade deadline which kind of doesn't really make sense because let's we all know the GM right so basically LeBron wanted Russ and then he was mad at the front office for not addressing the changes he wanted to get done by the trade deadline when he can't really do that because he kind of put himself in that position asking them to trade for us in the first place so like it wasn't really the best thing to kind of just be like hey Polinka, can you please uh get Russ out of here 
when he can't really, given his contract, he can't really get traded unless it's for John Wall, which is a worse prospect because of his lack of play for a full year and a half, two, three, maybe. I mean, I'd kind of put my money on Russ more than Wall. At least Russ can, like, run really fast from coast to coast. He can rebound. He has that energy to bring to the game. So you can kind of use him with that. You can kind of like work on staggering the minutes with him and James. Now that AD is made out of glass and injured again. So you can't really be useful next to James unless you're a direct shooting threat. But you need to think of it in terms of what's Russ good at. He's good at playmaking. He's good at running the team. So why not stagger his minutes with LeBron James so they can kind of minimize their losses and work with what they got here, you know? But then that runs back to Vogel's funky lineups all season, him not putting in any rebounder to kind of get the rebound at the end of the many close games they've been at in the last few games, instead of kind of relying on LeBron to get his own rebound after shooting it, which kind of doesn't really make sense, which ended up them losing that game. But yeah, I'm not really going to touch on Vogel's coaching because it's kind of um, a really big mess over there in terms of everything that's going on. So it's kind of a huge whack show right now instead of the lake show. They said they were going to focus on the buyout market, but even that's looking grim. Not that Ibaka has been signed with Milwaukee and the buyout market is thinning day by day. So that was all topped off by LeBron's recent statement addressing how he was open on leaving the Lakers to play with his son in the season of 2023 to 20 or sorry 2024-2025 which I'm guessing will be his last season when he hits around 40 years old and yeah he basically just wants to end his season or end his entire NBA career with his son even if it's not on the Lakers. So that tells you how grim his outlook is. Precedented by the statement of after the recent Bucks loss, when he was asked by a reporter if he sees themselves eventually getting on the Bucks level come playoff time, which to he responded a mere, no, I don't. So that tells you a lot more on how LeBron's feeling when it comes to this recent Lakers team. Reminds you a lot of the 2012-2013 Lakers team when they tried to assemble that old-ass super team around Nash and, you know, going forward with Kobe. God bless his soul. Rest in peace. But we all know how that turned out with injuries, which is kind of the same story, but a little bit worse this time around. So aggregating all of that on top of the fact that Anthony freaking Davis is made out of glass like think about that when the reporter was asking LeBron that question AD was sitting next to him and he was healthy and he still said no now AD is out so they'd be lucky if they're still in a play-in by the time the playoffs come and the season's over and then not to mention them going against the Warriors or the Suns that's a good first round exit for them this year so, moving on from the Lakers' grim future, or near future, we'll see how the summer goes. This All-Star weekend was one forever to be remembered. One of the best, merely because of the honorable halftime show that went down. It was very, very nice and honorable and full of glamour and 
you just humbled yourself as a viewer and especially to some of the active players like Steph Curry touched on after the game to see all of those legends walk out and kind of line up in that same kind of sphere they had like that circular sphere like shape they had in the middle of the halftime show on the court it was very very humbling to see everyone walk out and kind of realize the amount of talent and legendary performers that were on the same panel at once from centers to forwards to guards just making up that NBA 75 team I won't really touch on the snubs because there's a lot of people that should have been there that weren't, in my opinion. Some of them were like Clay Thompson, Kyrie, and uh, Dwight Howard, but that's just me. Kyrie's case could be argued because of his lack of uh, attention for the NBA as a whole, but judging off of pure talent, I think those three should have been part of that team. However, that's a discussion for another day. Let's talk about how the crowd literally went crazy when Jordan came out. They actually got Jordan to come to Ohio, and an Ohio crowd in Cleveland gave Jordan a bigger welcome than LeBron friggin' James. That's kind of crazy. Like, LeBron kind of worked his whole life to become the person for Cleveland and to be that guy who gave them their first championship. And Jordan, the GOAT, still got a better welcome from the crowd. Oh my god, that's crazy. But judging on crowd performances, how about that crowd when it came to Steph Curry, the guy that prevented them from having more championships throughout LeBron's second tenure? Those people were menaces when it came to my guy Steph. They were booing him like there was no tomorrow. But my guy used that as more energy and drive and kind of fed off it and went for a crazy all-star game performance, scoring 50 points and breaking the three-point record in an all-star game. He would have broken the points record as well if he made one more three, putting him at 17. But he kept missing the last one. I felt like he was kind of forcing it. But at least he still broke the amount of three-point field goal record for the all-star game so that just tells you how crazy Steph flourishes based on what environment he's in and purely because he realized and he discussed this on the TNT show on post game he just realized that the amount of talent and how he was a part of that team that walked out during the halftime show which kind of put him at ease and kind of like made him stop and realize all what he has done for the game so far and how he was almost basically single-handedly responsible for the three-point revolution or leading it, to say the least, which kind of put him at ease and made him play better throughout the third and fourth quarter, making him go for an insane 50 bomb at the All-Star game, earning that All-Star game MVP. But the rest of the All-Star weekend was also really, really cool if you do not count the dunk contests. Yeah, it was kind of a very low-light infused contest, which gave birth to, um, if you look at it that way, it was kind of nice because it gave birth to a lot of new internet memes with uh, Shaq, Lil Baby, and more celebrities uh, kind of paying attention to the dunk contest. Little snippets of their faces were kind of caught and uh, made for a really, really nice, uh, you know, meme-based uh, project going forward, if you guys are into that. 
but yeah, no, there was definitely a lot of new memes birthed because of that uh, severely underwhelming dunk contest. And the money line was kind of betting on Jalen Green to win, but given just pure, like, general NBA interest, anyone could tell that it was Obi's contest to lose. Because he's the best dunker, he's made the most dunks throughout the season, he just dunks more, that's more of his go-to basket, whereas the rest of the guards were more, like, combo guards. So, like, dunking was an option for them. Whereas it was kind of Obi's go-to, so him kind of just, like, making those easy dunks for him look easy made him kind of run away with the contest. We're talking, like, basic windmills in between the legs. For the average player, it's, like, not the easiest, but also not the hardest, but he just made it look smooth enough for him to kind of run away with it, given the lack of competition. The three-point contest was really, really cool. I really enjoy that Cat won because he definitely deserves it. He had, to say the least, and I hate when people are like, oh, he had a rough year. Like, his mother died because of COVID. Like, that's not having a rough year. That's having the worst ever possible year. Like, he's had it rough, to say the least, and I'm really happy because he's been telling everyone he's the best shooting big man, but no one, just, no one really believed him because... At the end of the day, guards are the main shooters of any team. So, like, they're like, oh, you're big. We're physically incapable of being big. Just stick to being around the rim. They didn't really directly say that to his face. But it was more of a, hey, like, you're a big man. You're not the best big shooting big of all time. Like, chill out. And now he has the three-point contest trophy to prove it. And I love that for him. Definitely deserves that. And then the skills contest, I liked the new format. It was very engaging. A lot of people didn't really know what they were doing, but the whole Team Giannis, Team Rooks was nice. I really enjoyed the format. And who anticipated that many ties going into that contest, to be honest? They had to like dissect the hell out of the tiebreakers to kind of come out with a basic understanding of who won each contest. But it was nice. I really enjoyed the whole thing. You should definitely check out the highlights on YouTube if you didn't have a chance to catch it live. And uh, to end off, I know this was supposed to be an intro, but <laughs> this is like kind of, you could say, a few, maybe several years worth of excitement being held back. I'm finally comfortable enough to have my own place to kind of just publish my podcast be proud of the work I'm putting in and kind of make myself excited to pursue this long term now I have something that I look forward to creating a few times a week for my avid listeners I have a really um, kind of intense outlook on wanting this to grow and wanting to kind of reach out and help as many people as I can in terms of providing them something to listen to entertainment wise and that little kind of push to persevere and make yourself a better person at the end which I will get into right now actually before right after I mentioned how DJ Khaled had the opportunity to freaking see uh, host like the halftime show he was the person in charge of all of the introductions and whatnot for the music and uh, yeah, just like rep that little Palestinian swag, DJ Khaled, I see you. 
But yeah, so just to leave you guys off with a little mental note going forward, like I touched on before, I think that many NBA players bring out bring out or bring forth that kind of perseverance mentality when it comes to personal growth and productivity to succeed because they kind of went through the worst to get to where they are right now. And I was kind of in a really tough spot myself a few years back when listening to podcasts kind of helped me get back up on my feet and kind of realize my ambitions and to pursue them, which brings me to my episode zero today. So this is kind of a calling for you out there or you folks out there who kind of keep pushing that next big thing in your mind back saying that it's not going to happen, no one's going to do it, it's my own idea, I want to sit on it, I want to let it simmer, whatever your excuse or case may be, I just want to make you realize that no matter what you think you can and cannot do, you won't know until you start, because think of it as any other thing you do, the more you do it, the better you will become at it, this will by far be my worst ever podcast published, and it's still decent, like it's not the worst I've seen way worse things being published from people who genuinely don't care. But that's the thing that separates everyone. If you actually care, then you should put your all into pursuing whatever your dream might be, whether it's content creation, singing, being an artist, working in a creative industry, trading, whatever the case may be. If it wakes you up and it keeps you out of bed at night and it just it's always on your mind, I really want you to kind of put it on your vision board. If not, make a vision board and put that one thing on it to kind of strive to balance yourself out in terms of your life right now to pursue it whenever you can, as soon as possible time you can. And try to play around with the little things. Like for me, it was the date. I'm like, oh, tomorrow is going to be the second month, the 22nd day of that month of the 22nd year. So it's kind of a really cool date for me to have my first kind of content out there for people to hear and listen and partake in. So your challenge for today's week, for all the three of you who are listening, hopefully it's more than that. Or if it's not, that's totally fine. I'd love to start out with three and keep growing organically as much as I can. See, my dreams for this are just as far as I can physically get it to grow. And I want us to kind of work together. I don't really have to know what you're doing. You can just choose to listen, to not listen. But what you can choose to do is to listen to my advice when I'm telling you to kind of pursue that thing you've been putting off. At least start looking into it. Look into the logistics. Look at how you can make it possible. Brainstorm more ideas. Write it down. If it's a skill, start learning how to do it. Go on Skillshare, go online, watch YouTube videos. In today's world, we are blessed with so many resources that weren't available a mere five to ten years ago. It's opened up many vast doors that weren't even possibly being thought of being opened for anybody a mere 10 to 15 years ago. But now everything's so available for everyone that people kind of get overstimulated when it comes to today's content and they just always want the next best thing or the grass is always greener so they stop doing what this is and focus on other things the point is whatever you feel like you want to do 
whatever is important to you, focus on that, put all your willpower into it, and strive to make it grow because you will not regret it. The only thing you will regret is not starting sooner, and take that from me right now. Anyways, that being put aside, thank you all for tuning in to episode zero, or at this rate, 0.5, because we are at the 47-minute mark. Sorry for dragging this out. If you're still here, thank you so much for listening to my whole collage of rants going forward. I'll have a more organized framework of how I'd like this to go. I'm thinking about making it um, about two times a week for now, maybe Tuesdays and Saturdays, Tuesdays, Fridays. I'll come up with a better framework going forward. I just really wanted to get my first episode out there to prove to you guys and myself that I'm actually going to pursue this. And I'm not going to lie, it took me like four, five, maybe even six takes to get the first 15 seconds. But after I kept going and looked at my notes, I just went off and the excitement was pouring out of my chest. And I just really, really enjoy the fact that I'm actually able to say that I'm at the 49th minute mark of my first episode of Shoot Your Shot, and I'm looking forward to making many, many more and growing with you guys and helping you guys figure out how to unleash your potential moving forward. Once again, thanks for tuning in to Shoot Your Shot, and I'll see you on the first official episode in a few days. Take care, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. You know you made it.